This episode is sponsored by UMSO, the website builder for startups. So I work with startups. So when I needed to build my own website, I decided to try UMSO. I needed something that was polished yet super easy because I'm not a developer and that didn't break the bank. And I've been with them ever since. Beyond my homepage, I've built out my blog, my podcast page, and my pricing page. Highly recommend UMSO to get your website off the ground. Visit umso.com slash MSM to learn more and use the code MSM20 for a 20% discount on your first three months. When someone's looking to acquire a company, like it, it's a value, you know, and what is the value? And for us, like our content, the machine that we had built was really, really valuable. That brand kind of mission, that content mission permeated through the rest of like the sales and, and product organizations. So we had really, really good cold outreach because content was really, really involved in how that messaging played out, how the growth looked, all that kind of fun stuff. And same thing with like our pitch decks and all that kind of stuff in terms of sales. And so I think that's, it had a really integrated feeling. If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture-backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand, growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high-growth startup. See ya inside. All right. Hello. I'm always saying welcome, welcome, everybody. Like the same intro to these episodes. I want to do something different. I'm just so happy to have everybody um, back with me and um, here with us today. I'm bringing somebody back. Patrick Campbell. He is back. He's the founder and CEO at ProfitWell, which you may have heard has been acquired by Paddle, a Series D startup. That happened in May of 2022. So I just want to congratulate you, Patrick. Thank you. On that. That must be so exciting. How do you feel this year? Yeah. I think uh, <laughs> I think it's a, when all the dust started settling, there was like a moment of just kind of exhale, if that makes sense. Um, and that exhale not only included after going through diligence and going through all the fun things that, you know, happen when you get acquired. But it was also a little bit of almost like a 10-year exhale because I've been working on this for nine plus years. And so it was that. And then it was it was only a brief moment because it was like, all right, great. Now we got to do this. Now we got to integrate. Now we got to do all the other things. And I think the other thing that happens um, for, you know, if you're a founder or an exec or anyone who listens, um, I think when you, even if you go to, the company that acquires you, which which I did, or even if you, especially if you like end up leaving right away, you go through a little bit of an existential crisis. Uh, and it's very much, well, what do I do now? What looks good? You, you kind of get very sure of yourself and like, I'm going to work on this next. And then a couple of months later, you realize, oh, I was so certain. That's embarrassing how certain I was about that. I, you know, you, 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 your emotional resonance is just very different after an acquisition. So I just put that out there because I think a lot of us don't talk about, you know, some of the downsides and those are very small downsides versus the upsides, but I think it's worth getting out there. Absolutely. Thanks for being honest. That's why I like bringing you on here because you're so honest. Totally. I try to be. Yeah. And I've had you on before episode 54, which you guys should check out. That was when 
you know, it was still profit well, you were still, um, you know, working on growth and you've been bootstrapped. Profit well has been bootstrapped all the way through this acquisition, which is amazing. I think that's like a healthy way to grow a company and then get acquired. Um, so go check out that episode. We talked a lot about inbound media and how ProfitWell was building their marketing engine using that strategy. So Patrick, welcome back and let's jump into it. So congrats again on the acquisition. I just want to remind people, um, what is ProfitWell? ProfitWell helps recurring revenue, SaaS subscription, direct-to-consumer businesses with their monetization and retention strategies, drive subscription revenue while you sleep. Now there, it's been acquired. I'm not sure if it's changing, but like that's essentially what profit, the description of profit well. So, so let's jump in. Let's talk about your, like, I want to focus a little bit more on like before the acquisition, your marketing plan. We didn't talk about that last time I brought you on. We talked about like your channels and some content stuff. Like we didn't really talk about the marketing plan. What's your planning process like? And I just want to get a little bit into that before the acquisition. What does that, what did that look like? How did you work on your planning efforts? Yeah, definitely. So what's really interesting is I think that there's tons of different planning frameworks that, you know, you can use, right? There's all kinds of them. There's books that are written on them. I, I think that the biggest thing I found with planning is you want to kind of make something your own for whatever organization that you're in at whatever stage you're in, right? One of the biggest mistakes I think we made early on was we tried to do OKRs almost perfectly, like exactly how OKRs are taught when we were super early. And the issue there is we were never going to spend enough time on really exploring what needed to get done, what the objectives truly needed to be, what the key results needed to be. Because when you think about a very uh, advanced marketing team or sales team at a very large organization, the things that you're working on from quarter to quarter don't change that much. There's like marginal changes and then your numbers are obviously changing based on forecasting. But in the early days of a company, everything's changing and you should be open to changing, right? And you gotta be careful because if you're changing every week, that's like way too dramatic. But if you're only changing every six months, then you're probably missing out on things. So it, the thing I'm trying to get across is I think read a, about a lot of planning cycles, listen to what I'm about to talk about, but you got to make sure that you apply it to your stage. And it's hard because you kind of have to know, like you kind of have to mess it up a little bit and then, you know, figure out what works. And on the marketing team in particular, particularly our media team. And so last time I talked about, you know, why we did media and like, that's, that's the main thing that we focused on. But once we were focusing on that, it became a game of like, well, what are our cycles like, right? Because in some cases, going on you know quarterly cycles was way too long, and you would see creatives, especially which the most of the team was, you know, you'd have that crunch, very similar to almost like a sales team at the end of a quarter, and then they would get burnt out. So you're having like so much brainstorming happening in the earliest part of a quarter, and then as you get to the end, all this crunch, and then all of a sudden, when we're starting the new quarter, it was just really painful, right? And so what we ended up doing, and not even getting into like how we structured the team and what type of roles, because that's a whole another fun conversation. What we ended up doing at that level is basically looking at like the tempo of what we wanted. And what I mean by tempo, and I talk about this a lot, is basically going after how much do we want to publish of what, right? So for example, um, 
we noticed, and it's kind of a, a tough lesson to learn that when you announce stuff, hey, we launched a new thing, we have a new feature, people sign up for stuff, right? You know, and it's one of those things where I think a lot of companies they wait so long to launch things. And so what we did is we're like, we need to launch one product launch, quote unquote per month. That's what we want to get to. We're not there yet. So let's start one per quarter, then let's go for two per quarter and so on and so forth. And what that did is it allowed us to work backwards and allowed us to prioritize with that team what made the most sense to go after. So we put product launches at the top, then we put like certain types of contents or projects next. Then we put like our existing shows, et cetera. And then what Dan, who led that team could do is he could kind of look at the different folks that he basically had on his team and he could decide, well, these three priorities really only this person can do. That means like we can't really do all three. So we have to do just the first one. And then the second and third, they're going to have to sit. But then the fourth priority, this person over here is really good at, and they can kind of take care of it. And so that allowed us to kind of get that tempo. And then we would go kind of on a monthly cadence. So we would be like, I would go to Dan and be like, what are we going to get done this month? We're going to do this, this, and this. And then at the end of the month, be like, hey, what did we get done? And if we hit it, great. If not, some stuff would roll over and then we would add some more stuff. And I think this, there's probably some fancy name for everything I just described, but it was just like a rolling planning cycle that focused on production and actually shipping, which I think a lot of teams, um, even if you have more of a paid marketing organization, even if you have, you know, like you're doing event marketing, whatever it is, you don't focus on shipping. And I think that's having a little bit more of a product focus in the marketing world, I think is super, super important. But I'll pause there because it's a lot. Hopefully, hopefully some of it made sense and was helpful. No, it, it's it's very helpful. Um, this rolling planning makes sense. Like if you don't hit something and it rolls over, is that okay? Like what if it rolls over and you don't hit it? And but it it's tied to goals that you had. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing to kind of think about because it's a judgment call. If it didn't get hit because we grossly underestimated how much time or effort it was going to take, that's probably okay once. But you as a leader, you're in this case, Dan, should get better and better at understanding his team's capabilities or what a project takes, right? So the first time we're creating, let's say, a launch video for um, you know, a product launch, all of a sudden uh, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, we were, we were off by six weeks. Well, Why? And then if it was just like really poor, like time management, unacceptable, right? Like unacceptable. And this is a, a struggle that we got into a little bit, which was like when Dan, Dan was a new manager, a new leader. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak about things that he struggled with when he's not here. But like, I think a lot of managers struggle with this, which is like, some people are way too active. They're a little more micromanagey. That tends to be like, I try not to micromanage, but when there are problems, I'm very like, Let's talk about every step. Please explain every step that's going on. Let's look at your workflow, et cetera. Some managers who are a little less assertive or a little less like confrontational, they're like, let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. I don't think one is wrong. I think the problem is, is that you have to make sure that you shorten the cycles as much as possible, right? So in those cases, I, you know, coaching Dan and Dan got really good at this, which is like, you could still be a little bit more of an introverted manager, but when something is delayed, you know it as soon as possible. It's not like we like look up two weeks later and we find out that we kind of wasted two weeks. But back to your question, if for some reason we decided that this was like a, a one week kind of project and this was, you know, like in terms of the quality and what we were shipping, 
but we like, oh, we got a really good idea and we turned it into like a four week project. Well, of course, like it might not get done that month. Right. And so it really just matters why. And, and I think that that's where Dan setting the tempo, telling me us negotiating here and there. And normally there's like a, a quarter plan, but we like really fixate on the month. And then when Dan and I sit down and we're like, okay, cool. What do you think? And he's telling me, and I'm like challenging here. I'm like, are you sure you're going to be able to get all that done? Or like, why can't we get this done? Like, it's all like a little bit of a, a norming phase. And then at the end of the month, when we talk about it, just having that feedback cycle with Dan and like talking to him about it and then like going to the next month. And then if for some reason, like it was like six months of just Dan being really bad at like estimating things, then Dan's not the right guy, right? Assuming I was trying to help him and, you know, he was growing and stuff like that. Because I think as a manager, as a leader, especially in marketing, you need to focus on shipping. And on top of shipping, you need to focus on like getting better and better and quicker um, and more effective at these things. Because in, in marketing, so much is about volume at a certain quality level. And some leaders, they focus so much on the quality level. Other f- leaders, they kind of like meander between the two and justify why they're not being successful with the other two and other leaders are just fantastic and they know how to like balance those two things so yeah hopefully it's helpful hey it's anna the host of modern startup marketing the show that you're listening to i'm also the founder of firminov marketing consulting people call me the marie kondo of startup marketing because i help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus Just wanted to let you know that you can get a marketing audit and custom roadmap to help you start seeing more traction from your marketing efforts. To learn more, go to firminovmarketing.com slash pricing. And now back to this episode. Yeah, that makes sense. And when you talked about um, prioritizing, like you work backwards, prioritize what makes sense and and then you add in the people that own it. So for example, like you start with the product launches. Then you have your next level, which is like other projects. Then you have like your events or your shows. Why did you prioritize in that way? Well, like what is helpful in prioritizing that way? You're prioritizing around product launches, which makes sense, right? Because it's you're going to be creating marketing kind of around your product. But what about um, prioritizing like in order to create demand, like talking about your product doesn't make sense as much as it is to talk about like what's happening in the world, what's changing, why are you even interesting for somebody to take a look at your your content marketing efforts. So can you talk a little bit about why you prioritized in that way? I think the way, it wasn't like the first thing we had done. Like we, would, we wouldn't have prioritized product launch, like to, our, to a fault. Like we, we didn't realize like, oh, we should talk about the things we're shipping uh, for a while <laughs> and until someone was like, yeah, it doesn't really seem like you guys like are working on the product anymore. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, we just, and I was like, there's all these features. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know. Like, you know, and we're like, oh, like we can't just expect people to like know there's more stuff here. Right. So I think the way that you prioritize is based on, so we talked a lot about last time, like, where's the bet you're going to go to? Where are you going to get the most leverage? Right. So we, we chose content and content has so many different levers. Right. And so then within that particular like general theme, it's like, okay, we know that, you know, SEO works really, really well. So let's hire someone to manage an SEO contractor, et cetera, right? And so those SEO contractors, et cetera, like everything kind of gets moving. And then that's like a resource. Like we can choose to take that 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 budget out of that resource, let our contractor go, let any full-time employees go. But like we've made the bet already. We've studied that that's the thing that's going to go after, right? And so that's like a very specific resource. So 
we've already prioritized. So that just kind of like goes, not necessarily on autopilot, but that like that function goes, right? Now, when it comes to like a content studio, essentially, which was, you know, what we had internally, then it becomes about what type of resources have you hired? Um, you know, craftspeople, I, resources is a little too PE to describe people, but hopefully you, get, you can give me the charitable interpretation here. But like, okay, so we have a graphic, you know, creative producer. We have two like video producers and we kind of are iterating from there, right? There's only so much bandwidth. And so when you're prioritizing, should they be working on a show? Should they be working on a course? Should they be working on whatever? then you kind of had to look at the numbers, right? And so what we noticed is like some of the numbers were really good when we would have these product launches, right? To the point that we started, we didn't make up product launches, but we were like, what's something we shipped? And product team would be like, we shipped this thing, it's kind of boring, it has nothing to do with it. And then we're like, well, as marketers, let's figure out how to position it properly, right? Like this is churn insurance, or this is like something, you know, this is, you know, some localization feature. and engineering, it might not have taken them that much effort, but that's okay. Like we have something to like announce and something to show momentum. Right. And then it's a feeling of, well, we can't just do product launches. There's only so much time in the day and we can't like launch them every week. Cause that gets a little too far depending on our size and our scope. So there's other inventory or bandwidth, I should say that people can work on. And then when it comes to events, it's like, that's a whole decision, almost like SEO. Right. So are we going to have, you know, events? Well, we know we've done well at events because we did an experiment at it. All of a sudden, there needs to be a full-time person. Well, when that full-time person, you know, we've reached the limit and are really, really good, then it's like, well, where can we scale? AKA, does he or she get more budget? Maybe. Do we need another person that they hire? Maybe. But th that all depends on the numbers, right? And so I think it's it's this constant, I hate the like dichotomy of art and science, but I think that if you were to try to do this in a perfect attribution, I don't it doesn't really exist. But like if you were trying to try to do this in like a perfect attribution way, I think that you would miss out on massive opportunities because you need to experiment and you need to kind of like start making other bets and then prioritize from there because you only have so many resources. And then obviously if you're to do this just like in a, you know, let's just like do whatever feels good, you're gonna probably, you know, not actually succeed because you're not going to have any momentum. So I don't know. I think that probably hopefully provides a framework maybe it doesn't directly answer your question but it but hopefully it's helpful yeah you're such a balanced guy patrick you're like well <laughs> you can't do perfect attribution but you can't just go on emotions and you can't just do quality and you can't just do quantity like i think that you're making the point here that you've got to have a balance and sometimes so much of what I see on LinkedIn, you know, in our conversations is like too far into one way or too far into another way, right? But the way to be successful is to balance stuff. And I, I like that approach that you take, right? Although it's not going to get a lot of, you know, if you post like balance and talk about balance, maybe you won't get as much engagement with that. When you talk about most things are like, developing judgment and then having those conversations. Cause what's funny is like people don't, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, I, I think it's a really important point you're bringing up where it's like, people don't like the fact that sometimes you have to earn your paycheck and make judgment calls. Like as a leader, like they're very uncomfortable with that. They're like, well, it's just, a, and then you end up not making a decision because you don't want the confrontation of like, what's better A or B. We do not have perfect information on A or B right? Or if C should exist, right? And I think that's that's a really important thing is not to go in with like, there's a perfect answer, but to go in with, we're going to always try to find the perfect answer, but we're not going to spend infinite amount of money and time on trying to find the perfect answer. And we're also going to like, 
know because we're you know human beings and you know relatively smart we're going to know like oh there's a certain level of like truth depending on the size of the decision that we need to get to and we'll all kind of like feel it out or hopefully we'll be able to identify what that is depending on you know the project or things like that this is great it's so important for startups too because you just like you you had mentioned in the beginning like look at the tempo that you want you actually want a pretty fast tempo when you're early stage like thinking in months or like getting something out per quarter and that's really fast. It's much faster than what larger companies are thinking about. They're thinking about like, okay, well, we planned everything. Let's wait till next year to plan the next round, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that's that you called it out. Like, it's hard to make those judgment calls. You may not have all of the information at your disposal, but you just you just need to make your those decisions and keep moving and keep shipping. And that's what matters. Yeah. And so then let's talk about like you've been acquired by Paddle. What did you have to get right on the marketing and sales side? I know we only have a few minutes on this, but if you can think about what needed to happen beyond just, you know, you hate your numbers. <laughs> if you can speak to more um, like before that even happened. Yeah. So there's two ways to kind of uh, answer that question. I think one, like we did a brand play in a market that requires a brand play. And I think that that, is a really important distinction. Our market has about 150,000 logos total, and not all of those are going to be applicable target customers. So all of a sudden, our TAM, you know, let's just say, is less than half of those 150,000 logos, right? Um, the revenue on those is amazing and all that kind of fun stuff. But I think what's really interesting about that is like we aligned that constraint to the right strategy of brand. Um, and that's where media comes from. And brand is not just like fluffy stuff. Brand is like, you know, hard like attribution in a number of different places, making sure obviously the money works, like all that kind of stuff. And I think that that helped us with getting acquired because all of a sudden we had a really big brand, even though we weren't that big in our space, right? Uh, and so all of a sudden you have a higher value, you know, product that doesn't necessarily cost as much in terms of profitable being the product, right? To get our equivalent brand, you might have to buy a, you know, billion dollar company or more, right? And, and you know, we were less, right? <laughs> so uh, not much less in certain cases, but like we were less, right? And I think that that's a really important thing is that when someone's looking to acquire a company, like it, it's a value, you know, and what is the value? And for us, like our content, the machine that we had built was really, really valuable. And then I think to answer your question a little more practically inside the business, I think that one of the most interesting things when it came to like us was that brand kind of mission, that content mission permeated through the rest of like the sales and, and product organizations. So we had really, really good cold outreach because content was really, really involved in how that messaging played out, how the growth looked, all that kind of fun stuff. And same thing with like our pitch decks and all that kind of stuff in terms of sales. And so I think that's, it had a really integrated feeling when it came to things. And, and part of that was because I ran marketing as CEO. Um, but I also think part of that was because, you know, we ran the team very similar to like a product team. So like you had the element of like being better at messaging than like sales. So you could help a lot there. And then the element of like kind of speaking the same way and like running your tempo very similar to like a product organization. So yeah, hopefully those are some helpful tidbits. 
Very helpful. This is a case where you're not just um, like marketing is split off and sales is split off and product is split off, but you're all maybe because you ran marketing as a CEO, like you, you understand marketing, it does need to permeate through sales and through product. And that's why it really, it, you know, the messaging worked really well through your cold outreach and in your pitch decks and anywhere else, right? It's, um, it became a company strategy versus just a side marketing arm. And I think that really is the gold nugget here. Well, I think that's a problem. Like if, if you're, if you're a content or a marketing leader, or honestly, if you manage or, you know, are close to the marketing leader and it's like every role, it's like customer success, like product and sales just naturally get a seat at the table. They become so central just because like, that's just, you know, obviously you're going to have a product engineering organization. Obviously you're going to have a sales organization, right? A lot of budget goes into those. Like they're taken very seriously. I think the thing is, is like no core function, right? And core functions are marketing, uh, people ops, those types of things. No core function should be just an arm or a second class citizen. I think that's a really, really important thing to, to put out there. Now, your earlier stage, are you going to be able to like always perfectly like have the right leader and everything like that? No, absolutely not. But I think it's, you got to get everything moving if that makes sense. Yeah. And no second class and no second arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Even if it's not, you know, the, the CMO, you don't want that early stage, but um, you want to get everyone, give everyone a seat at the table because it's all important for business growth. So Patrick, thank you so much. Um, congrats again. What a wild year. And I'm looking forward to, you know, learning more about where your existential questions take you <laughs> and staying connected. I love ProfitWell, like the company that you built and and especially like how you think about marketing and media the inbound media and I've loved our conversation. So thanks again for coming on here. Um, and if folks want to find uh, Patrick, he's on LinkedIn, Patrick Campbell, and you can find out more about ProfitWell by going to ProfitWell.com. Thanks again, Patrick. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly. So make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.